You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. And now, Happy anniversary. It is the one-year anniversary of me starting this podcast. Amazing how quickly the uh, 12 months went. I have really enjoyed doing this. Uh, I've had some very interesting interviews that will continue. I've had some commentary. We've talked a lot of sports. We've talked a lot of life issues. Uh, We've really gotten into some interesting topics here on the podcast. And I want to, first of all, just thank you for your support. Uh, It's incredible the feedback that I have received, uh, the comments, uh, the interest, and I cannot thank you enough. Uh, It's been a really interesting year, uh, to say the least, because a little more than a year ago, I never thought I would be doing a podcast and everything else, and I'm doing it for two reasons. Number one, I really enjoy doing it, and number two, you have received me very well, You have listened to me on a regular basis. The numbers are good. And for that, I say thank you very much. I also want to thank my sponsors. I want to thank uh, New Works Plumbing of Sacramento. I want to thank Roy's Umbrella. I want to thank Manscaped. I want to thank the Home Theater Company for uh, being with me and supporting me. And I can't thank them enough. New Works Plumbing, they've been with me from day one. They have been unbelievably supportive. And I appreciate the feedback I've gotten from you because you have used New Works Plumbing and told me that they have done a great job for you, for your plumbing needs and repairs. They're available to you 24-7. They will have a fix for you. Just go online, newworksplumbing.com, N-E-W-W-R-X plumbing.com. And again, uh, I can't thank them enough for jumping on board day one and uh, being a loyal supporter of this podcast on Tuesday, we uh, talked about the bucket list, my sports bucket list, part one. Today, I'm going to continue with that conversation. And I grew up on Long Island, and we always used to play football out in the front yard. We used to play baseball and stickball out on the street. Uh, We were always outside. We were always playing outside. And growing up and being so blessed to have a father that took me to so many different sporting events. I told you we had season tickets for both the Jets and the Giants. You know, we would go to Yankee games 
we would go to New York Rangers games. Couldn't get tickets for the Knicks, but my dad used to take us to college games. My dad went to Union College, which was about four hours from where we lived in Schenectady, New York. And once or twice a year, and my dad was very active in his college, we would go up and watch Union play either a football game uh, or a basketball game. Uh, And then Union, with Ned Harkness, had a national powerhouse in hockey. And we used to love going to the hockey games up at Union. But that was my background. I mean, it was sports. And so I kind of knew at an early age that, I wanted to do something sports-related. And at that age, we all think we're going to be a professional athlete. And as you get older, you realize, well, gee, that is not going to happen. But I lived about 25 miles from Kennedy Airport, and the planes used to fly right over where I lived on their approach. And I used to be fascinated by all the planes that would fly over my house. And I'm talking about, you know, when the 747s uh, came out around 70, you know, Pan Am and TWA. And I used to guess where the planes were coming from. And then you'd see a Swiss Air flight and you'd go, okay, well, that came from Switzerland or KLM. You knew where that came from. And I used to be fascinated by that. And I used to love it when the Concorde started flying over because sometimes if I were inside, if I was inside, I could tell by the pitch of the engines that the Concorde was flying over. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world to see the Concorde flying right over me uh, where I live. So I, I always wanted to uh, be in sports, but then I said I wanted to be a pilot. And little did I know, as just a little boy out on my front yard on Long Island, that I would be able to do both of those because when the Kings got their own plane back in the early 90s, uh, very often I used to sit in the cockpit. I used to sit in the jump seat, and I was just fascinated by flying, and it was such a thrill for me to be in the cockpit of a jet. And then I did the same thing when they went from a Bach 111 to a 737. Again, used to sit in the jump seat. And when I did the San Jose Sabercats games, they had a beautiful uh refitted or I should say like they had special engines on the plane and it was just a decked out 727 and I used to fly back with the team to San Jose and they used to park the aircraft at McClellan Air Force Base and I used to sit in the cockpit from San Jose uh, to McClellan on a 727 and I loved it it was just absolutely uh, incredible and the one thing I always remember about sitting in the cockpit of that plane You know, the engines are on the back of that plane on a 727. You have three engines. And I remember first time I took off in that plane from the cockpit, you couldn't even hear the engines. It was so quiet taking off because the engines were so far away uh, from the cockpit. But I used to love doing that. But anyway, the reason why I'm mentioning this is I always used to watch the planes land or come in for a landing. I mean, it was approach. It was still 25 miles away from the airport. And I used to just dream. I'm, I used to dream about taking off. My dream as a kid was taking off from Kennedy Airport and flying all the way to Los Angeles. Like, I used to think about that when the planes used to fly over. And then I ended up doing that hundreds of times later on in my life. I know that's kind of a weird wish, but that's something I always wanted to do as a kid growing up. I just wanted to get on a plane at Kennedy Airport, fly all the way across the country, and land at LAX. And again, I've done that, gosh, I can't even tell you how many times I have uh, done that. But So I wanted to get into bucket list items because I was blessed at that age to have the dream of being in sports and flying. 
and I've flown now a couple of million miles and sat in cockpits of jets. And so I've, I've really had a blessed, blessed life. You know, we talk about bucket list items. I told you on Tuesday about 1994 and being at the Rangers games three, four, five, six, and 7 in the Stanley Cup against Vancouver. But one of the great thrills in my life was uh, my dear friend, even to today, the president of the hockey operations for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, 17 years as the GM of Washington, put that Stanley Cup team together. And at Bowling Green, George and I uh, lived together for a while. And George was an amazing, amazing uh, person. Uh, He won the Hobie Baker Award his last year at Bowling Green, which is the equivalent of the Heisman Trophy in college football. And George ended up playing for the New York Rangers, which, I mean, for me to have one of my best friends be on the Rangers was like, I mean, I'm not sure if he was more excited or I was more excited. But I remember George's first ever game with the Rangers was in the first round of the playoffs against the Philadelphia Flyers. And he was playing in Tulsa, that year, which is the Rangers' farm system. And then he got called up for the playoffs. And the Rangers back then were on a superstation, WGN. Now, I was living in Bowling Green still, all right? I had graduated from college and was working at Bowling Green. And I knew that WGN was in Cleveland. So I went to my fraternity brother's house in Cleveland, drove two hours to watch George play in his NHL debut against the Philadelphia Flyers. And they put him on a great line with Ron Duguay. Doogie was like God in New York. And that was just so incredible for me. And then I drove back two nights later to Cleveland for game two. And then I got in the car and I drove all the way to New York for game three to see George play his first ever game at Madison Square Garden. And George left me a ticket at Will Call. And I end up going to the game and... I get to the game as soon as the doors open. I'm in Madison Square Garden. And I'm standing fairly close to where the Rangers come out for their warm-ups. And to see George come out of the tunnel wearing a New York Rangers uniform was like such a thrill for me. And the Rangers that year, I believe they beat Philadelphia because Bobby Clark was on that Philadelphia team. And I remember in the handshake line, George idolized Bobby Clark. Bobby Clark was one of the great hockey players ever. Bobby Clark was God. Bobby Clark, the captain of the Flyers. Bobby Clark, you know, multiple Stanley Cups. Bobby Clark was great. And I remember George, I didn't know this at the time, but George asked Bobby for his stick in the handshake line. But anyway, George motions me And I end up waiting right outside the Rangers locker room. And then he had someone come and get me. And I'm in the Rangers locker room. And George ended up playing with the New York Rangers for a couple of years. And I want to say the following year, and it may even been that year. So, you know, forgive me on the, I, I believe it was the next year, though, because I remember staying at George's apartment on 66th and Columbus Avenue. And there's no way he would have had an apartment that first year just getting called up. So it would have been the second year. And the Rangers get eliminated in the playoffs in round two by Washington. I believe it was the second round. And they lose on a Friday night. 
And so there was a bar in New York called The Sticks, and it was owned by Ron Duguay. Uh, I believe Phil Esposito had a piece, and there was one other individual that owned uh, the bar. So we go to The Sticks, and I'm in there with a whole bunch of Rangers, and I'll never forget this. George introduces me to Calvin Klein. He goes, Napes, I want you to meet somebody. This is Calvin Klein. And I'm like, yeah, right. Because, you know, George was always doing that. And it was Calvin Klein. And I felt like a freaking idiot. But anyway, that night, we end up, it's probably like 2 in the morning, we end up at this bar in New York where the Rangers used to train. The Rangers trained in Rye, New York. And there was a bar called The Pub in Rye, New York. And it's where the guys used to go a lot. And listen, if you've never been around hockey players, let me tell you something. They can drink, all right? I mean, boy, can they drink. And so we go to the pub, and I still to this day remember the owner of the pub and the bartender. His name is Hitch. And Hitch was great. And we end up staying there literally the entire night until the sun comes up. And then a couple of guys scattered, and then they came back a couple of hours later. I think George and I left to go get something to eat, and then we came back in the afternoon and then again most of the team was there the entire day Saturday and Saturday night and I'll never forget this Hitch goes I, you guys got to leave and it was probably like two three in the morning and the guys go like we're not leaving and Hitch goes listen I gotta go I'm, I'm gonna pass out I can't I'm the only one here and I go Hitch I tended bar for four years you want me to tend bar he goes no you'll give away my bar and, you know, I said, and I said, Hitch, I won't give away your bar. Teach me how to work the register, and I will not give away your bar, I promise. And it's no, I'm not exaggerating. Two in the morning, maybe three in the morning, I am behind the bar at the pub in Rye, New York, and I'm bartending for the entire Rangers hockey team. I mean, and Carol Alt was there, Ron Greshner's wife. She was a cover girl supermodel. She was there. I remember, I still to this day remember serving Tom Laidlaw and Ron Greshner. Uh, and they were drinking Jack and Coke all night. Like, I remember what the, uh, you know, and I'll never forget being in that environment, watching my favorite, I mean, the Rangers to me were like, I I love the Rangers. I, mean, I used to go into the games. My dad used to take me at such an early age that he told me that I used to think that there were three games that we were watching because I did not understand when they clean the ice at the intermission, I thought a new game was starting. That's how young I was when I started going to the Ranger game. So for me, to be at Madison Square Garden for Georgia's first game, and then I used to go back for all the playoff games, and I used to drive 10 hours, and it was just like, I can't even begin to tell you what that was like, but being in the pub that night and serving the New York Rangers until Sunday morning, we stayed in that bar. I'm not exaggerating. I want to say we stayed in that bar for almost almost a 48 straight, 48 straight hours with the entire team. And you know the saying that you they, they drank the bar dry? Like when Hitch came in on Sunday and then really did kick us all out, there was nothing left in the bar. I'm not kidding you. The beer bins were empty. The I mean, it was, it was truly one of the most amazing weekends uh, to experience that. So that's a bucket list item that you never think about. That's a bucket list item. Uh, that just happened. Now, my real bucket list items, we were in Charlotte playing the Hornets a couple of years ago. It was Marvin Bagley's only year at Duke. And Duke was playing Providence on Saturday at, it was an afternoon game. And Vladi was able to get me a ticket because they were going to scout the game. 
So we drove with Vladi and Peja and the one of the, the the main scouts of the the team, and it was a beautiful day driving up to Duke in Durham. And I will tell you that walking into the Cameron Indoor Stadium for the first time, and when we walked in, the band was playing, and the teams had just come out onto the court for a warm-up. It was electric. It was vibrant. It was just alive. I mean, the energy and the Cameron crazies for the whole game, that was one of the most amazing bucket list items to be at Cameron Indoor Stadium to watch Duke play was right up there with some of the right up there for me and then little did I know that two years later I would be at a Kansas game which also was very high on my bucket list and Scott Pollard had a charity bowling event during the NBA All-Star weekend it just happened to be NBA All-Star weekend and so Kansas was playing Pittsburgh Saturday afternoon And I remember flying into Lawrence on Thursday. Maybe it could have been Friday, but it was, we went, you know what, I think it was Friday. Because I remember getting there, checking into the hotel, and then going to the event. And we just had a phenomenal time. But going to Allen Fieldhouse and walking into that venue for a Kansas Jayhawks game, and great seats, five rows off the floor, That was a spectacular, spectacular, incredible time. And then that night after the game, we ended up going to dinner with Jacques Vaughn, who was Scott's best man uh, in in his wedding, and I believe vice versa. Scott and Jacques Vaughn are like best friends. And, of course, Jacques, you know, coach, NBA coach, just great guy. And then uh, uh, Nick Collison came by. So we were sitting there having dinner that night, just talking some phenomenal stories with Nick Collison, Jock Vaughn, Scott Pollard. Um, but being at Allen Fieldhouse, wow. I mean, and people ask me, gee, do you think the atmosphere at Duke or Kansas is better? And it's, it's, it's a coin flip. You know, it really is. It's an absolute coin flip. If, if you absolutely told me I can't have a coin flip, I would probably take Duke by a whisker because of the Cameron crazies, right? I mean, just the student body at Duke and how they go from the start of the game until the end of the game, that might put it over the top for me. The, the but, but, but by a whisker, by a whisker. Then, of course, I think this is on the bucket list for a lot of sports fans. And that is to go to the Masters. And I'm sure like everyone else, I've always wanted to go to the Masters, but I never could because it was always in the middle of basketball season. Well, anyway, we were playing in Phoenix on the Wednesday, the day before the Masters began. And on Friday, we had a game in Memphis. So, thankfully, one of the minority owners of the Kings have a contact with Tiger Woods. They're very good friends with Tiger Woods and his group. And so they got me a ticket for the Thursday round of the Masters. And so I took a red eye after the game in Phoenix, flew to Atlanta, 
then made a connection to Augusta, and I had to go to Tiger's house. I'm not kidding you. To the house that he stays at in Augusta to pick up the ticket. And the ticket was left for me behind a pot on the porch in an envelope. And little did I know that not only was it a ticket to get into the round one of the Masters, but it was also a ticket to the high-end exclusive area called, what is it called, the Breckman's Place or Beckman's Place? I can't even remember right now. It's just a spectacular, incredible area where I believe that the tickets to get in there, there were like $5,000 a day. They actually have three replica greens with caddies with like Scotty Cameron putters, ping putters. I mean, you pick out your putter, then you have a caddy dressed in the white overall, and they take you out onto the green, and the greens are running the exact same speed with the same undulation as the greens on the course. It was spectacular. But anyway, I remember getting, for the first time, into the gate at Augusta, and it was just a beautiful day. It was a little chilly at that time when I got there. It was probably high 50s when I first got there and but there was not a cloud on the sky just blue skies it was just absolutely beautiful and the first thing I did is I walked over to the putting green which is adjacent to the first tee and I walked the entire golf course that's the first thing I did I started at number one and I walked the entire golf course and after I did that I checked out Uh, Breckman's place and I was so blown away it was so nice it was so incredible but I was like wait a minute I'm only here one day I need to go back onto the course so I went to Amen Corner now you notice how they have all the chairs right at Augusta and what happens is the members they go and they put their chairs out so that they're there for the whole weekend but on Thursday those, there's not a lot of people sitting in those chairs. There's also the the bleachers there on Amen Corner. Well, I sat in a chair in the second row behind the 12th green on Amen Corner. So you can see the 11th green, obviously the par 3 12th right in front of you, and then you can see the T area on number 13. And I sat there for about an hour, an hour and a half, taking everything in. Now, when you go to the Masters on Thursday through Sunday, you cannot take your phone in. So I had to check my phone before I got there. So you can't take pictures. So everything you remember, and I just had the most amazing time sitting there just taking in Amen Corner and the beauty of it. And the people always say that as beautiful as Augusta is to see on TV, it's very difficult sometimes to really appreciate the elevation changes at Augusta. It is an extremely up-and-down golf course with a lot of hills, a lot of downslopes, a lot of upslopes. The undulations on the greens, when you look at them in person from right off the green, is incredible. And you you really get an idea of why you have to hit the ball to a specific area on the green to be able to score. So after I did Amen Corner, I went over to the par 3 16th, and I sat there for about 30 minutes, and then I walked up 17 and 18, then I walked back down to 1, 2, 3, 4, and then 5 is where Beckman's Place is, or Breckman's Place, and went there in 8, 
the food, the hospitality. I putted for a while. And then after that, I believe that was it. I believe my day was over and I got in an Uber and I drove back to the airport and I flew to Atlanta and I got to the hotel in Memphis at about midnight, 1230. But that was really a fascinating, fascinating bucket list item for me. And I would say that if you ever have an opportunity to go to that golf course, even if it's a practice round. And remember, you know, a practice round might even be better because you can take pictures. You can bring your phone and you can bring your camera in uh, for the practice rounds. I would highly, highly recommend it. A couple of other things that have happened to me in my career that I always remember. Very early in my career, the Padres were playing the Cubs in the playoffs at Wrigley Field. And the series went five games and I'll never forget game five at Wrigley Field being up there with a TV camera because I worked in Decatur and me and my photographer went up there and I'll never forget asking Steve Garvey walking off the field after practice after warm-ups if I could get a word with him and he said sure and you know I'd watched Steve Garvey play with the Dodgers and those Yankee World Series in 77 and 78. I mean, Steve Garvey was kind of like a baseball god back then. You know, I was very new in the business. And I'll never forget standing on the field at Wrigley interviewing Steve Garvey. And I'll tell you something else I remember. He could not have been nicer. He was polite. At the end of the interview, he shook my hand and said, thank you. You know, it's amazing the little things that you remember. But I remember... That I also remember the following year being in Bush Stadium for the Cardinals and the Royals World Series. If you remember, it was the World Series that is famous for the bad call in Game 6 with Don Deckinger. It was also the first time in the history of the World Series that a team had won after losing their first two games at home. But the, So the Royals lose games one and two at home. Then they go to St. Louis, and they they turn everything around. And they in game five, Danny Jackson is pitching for the Kansas City Royals. Danny Jackson goes the distance, all right? Only allows five hits, and the Royals beat the Cardinals. Now, if you know anything about the World Series, there's just an enormous amount of people that are there as members of the media covering the World Series. And so I remember after the game going into the formal room, what I mean the formal where you don't go into the locker room. We didn't have access to the locker room, but you go into the post-game press conference room. And then I told my photographer, I go, let's go back out onto the field. I have to do a couple stand-ups. And who's out on the field right off the first baseline but the winning pitcher, Danny Jackson? And Danny is doing an interview for, I want to say, like the, the, the Good Morning America or one of the morning shows for the next day. And, they've, you know, it's a professional setup with the lights. And I'll never forget this because he had his arm completely iced and he had his Kansas City Royals jacket draping from one of his shoulders. And he still got his hat on and he gets done with the interview. And nobody else is there now. Everybody else is inside. I'm the only one on the field with a TV camera. You know, and I'm working in Little Decatur, Illinois. And I'm like, let's go. 
And my photographer, I go, hey, Danny, can I get a real quick word with you? And he goes, sure. I asked him two questions because I knew, he, you know, he's the winning pitcher in the freaking World Series. He went the distance, you know. I mean, it was the biggest game of his career. And, again, I remember it vividly for a couple of reasons. Number one, he was so nice, and he was just, like, just could not have been nicer. And I remember number two because I was the only local sportscaster anywhere that had a one-on-one interview with Danny Jackson. One-on-one. Nobody else got a one-on-one interview with Danny Jackson and the local TV stations except for me. You know, you always talk about being in the right place at the right time. That was absolutely an incredible moment for me. So, you know, I always remember some of the great people or great instances. And again, this is such a long time ago, but I remember like it was yesterday. And then I think like everybody else, I would love to go to Lambeau Field. You know, I had Charles Davis on my podcast from CBS a couple of weeks ago, and he said, we're going to make that happen, that we're going to go up to Lambeau Field. He has another buddy from New York that wants to do it. So we're going to make a weekend out of that next time we get an opportunity. I want to go to the Derby. I think I'm going to the Indy 500 next year with Scott Pollard and his wife, Dawn. So I'll cross that off my bucket list. And then tomorrow, I have another bucket list item as I will be at Bryant-Denny Stadium for Alabama and Ole Miss, number one against number 12 with everything else that goes on for Alabama football. I cannot wait to go to a big-time SEC game cannot wait i'll cross it off and i'll tell you i'll tell you about the experience on my next podcast on tuesday hey if you have bucket list items that you want to get to uh hit me up on social media at grant napier show or any of my other social media accounts and maybe uh we'll go over them on one of my future podcasts hey it's now time for our crowd ultra q a it is so easy to ask me a question on crowd ultra all you need to do is go to crowdultra.com. Nick wants to know, what's your take on the Tampa Rays two-city plan with Montreal? I think it's stupid. I don't see how it would work. I mean, if Tampa can't get it done here, then move. You know, that's the way it has to be. Uh, Jay asked, what NBA front office rule changes would you make? I don't really know enough about what the rules are with front offices to say I would make this rule change, I would make that rule change. Um, I, I don't know. It's very difficult for me to answer that. All right? Alex wants to know, do you expect any unvaccinated NBA players to quit because of what they have to deal with? I don't think so. I mean, I can't imagine giving up that kind of money because you don't want to get vaccinated. Rich asked, will the Knicks have a better or worse season this year? I think it's going to be a little bit worse. They were the fourth seed in the East I think Miami is going to be a lot better this year. I don't think that they're going to finish ahead of Milwaukee uh, or Philadelphia, Miami. I could see them maybe five, six. I just don't see them being a top four team in the East this year. Ernie wants to know, how do you think Josh Gordon will do with the Chiefs? Well, you know, listen to my rant yesterday. I I want to see if he can make it through a whole season, something he has not done forever. So, I don't know. I mean, he hasn't played in a long time. I, I don't know how effective he would still be. He's obviously going to a team with a great quarterback, with another tremendous receiver in Tyreek Hill. 
I want to see if he can make it through the rest of the season without getting suspended again, which has been a total of six times. David asked, what do you think about Spencer Dinwiddie trying to pay $12 million for the rights to advertise crypto on his jersey? I think he's a pretty smart businessman. That's what I think. I also think that it's amazing that athletes have $12 million to just take for the advertisement of something on a jersey. By the way, the league said no to that, but I thought that was very, very interesting. James wants to know, Grant, do you think Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the league? If not, who is? It's very difficult to quantify, James, who is the best wide receiver in the NFL. I mean, Hopkins with Arizona, to me, is right up there. Adams is clearly in the conversation. It's very difficult. I think a lot depends on the team you're on, the quarterback you have. Uh, I don't know if there is such a thing as the best wide receiver in the National Football League. Alex asks, do you like the new NBA rule where out-of-bounds call reviews can only be done by coaches' challenges? I do, because I think it delays the game. I think it is such a uh, – it, it affects the rhythm of the game. So I do like that. Josh wants to know, do you pay any attention to college football rankings this early in the season? You know, I pay attention to the teams that are fourth and fifth and sixth. Because right now, you know, it looks to me like Alabama and Georgia – are going to end up among the top four. Uh, I the teams that I look at are always the teams that are on the bubble, but not 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 this early. I don't get too uh, caught up into it because everything has a way of working out, right? For instance, Penn State, they're fourth. They play Iowa next week. They're five, so you know it will all get worked out. So a, a little bit, I I do a little bit. Uh, Tyler wants to know: Does it worry you that Richard Sherman is back to playing? Well, it doesn't worry me because it's not my life; it's his life. I've read everything that he had to say. He obviously had some serious issues. So when you say, does it worry me? No, it doesn't worry me. It, I, it's his life. I mean, I hope I'm answering that correctly. I mean, I, I hope that it works out for him. I hope he doesn't have another setback in whatever he was dealing with. But does it worry me? No, not at all. Not at all. Rob wants to know, how do you think LeBron would have done if he had played in the NFL? Probably well. I mean, the guy's a freak athlete. Um, he probably would have been uh, successful. Probably would have been successful. Lucas says, what is your take on unvaccinated NBA players not complying with local vaccination mandates and not being paid for those games? I like it. I think it's good. Why should they be any different than anyone else? You know, if I have to go along with the mandates, why would a professional athlete not have to? So I I agree with it. If you don't want to follow the rules and regulations, and here's the other deal. Even though this is not an NBA mandate, the NBA is a business. The NBA can run their business however they want. Now, the NBA cannot force players to get vaccinated because it has to be bargained, collectively bargained, and the players' union has said it's a non-starter. But, you know, if if I have to follow a local vaccination mandate in New York and San Francisco, why would a player be able to scoot through that? So, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely on board with that. Zach asked, do you think the Steelers will continue to struggle all season? I do. I think that they are, their, their run is coming to an end. They're the, they're not better than Cleveland. They're not better than Cincinnati. They're not better than Baltimore. Steven wants to know, did you see what Des Bryant said about Colin Kaepernick? I did. And I agree with him. One, 100% 100% good for Des Bryant. He is 100% spot on. And he's saying what a lot of people are too afraid to say. I agree with Des Bryant. Absolutely correct. 
Uh, did you see the refs missed a delay of game penalty in the Ravens-Lions game? Yeah, and how big was that, right? How big was that? Hey, I really appreciate Crowd Ultra over the last year, this being my uh, one-year anniversary show, and you all have been great. You really have. You've been great. And I, I sincerely appreciate your questions, your support, and your feedback to everyone at Crowd Ultra. I really mean that. Fabulous job. Great, great job. Just go to CrowdUltra.com, and you might have your question asked by me right here. It's time for Also want to thank Roy's Umbrella. Roy has been so loyal to me over the years, and I talk about Roy's Umbrella and everything he can do for you, and particularly when it comes to home loans. I've used Roy, and I love talking about Roy on my podcast. I love talking about Roy to anyone because he's such a, a, a unique individual. He's overcome two life sentences with cancer. That's right. He's beat a life, a death sentence, I should say, not a life sentence, but he's, he, he shouldn't be here. And he, he, he beat the almost impossible odds, not once, but twice. And he has such a phenomenal perspective on life. And when you deal with Roy and his staff, it's all about integrity. It's all about honesty. There's no BS. I can't say enough about Roy and what he's meant to me as a friend and as a partner over the years, both on the radio show and here on my podcast. So I encourage you to look up Roy and his staff for anything to do with home loans. Just go to roysumbrella.com. That's roysumbrella.com. Very interesting story coming out of New Orleans. Gail Benson, the owner of the Saints and the Pelicans, uh, has revealed a succession plan to keep both the teams in New Orleans and distributing a whole bunch of money from her estate to charity. Good for her. Good for her. Of course, you remember Tom Benson, the her, her late husband, the owner of the Saints and the Pelicans. Here's what I don't go, all right, or don't get. Why would the Pelicans want to stay in New Orleans? Nobody cares about the Pelicans. Have you ever watched the Pelicans game? And say, gee, what a great atmosphere. Gee, the place is full. I mean, they couldn't sell out with Anthony Davis. Now you have Zion Williamson. Nobody cares about the NBA in New Orleans. Nobody. It's all football. It's all Saints. It's all college football. It's all SEC. It's all LSU. Again, it's Saints, 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 LSU, LSU, LSU. All right? The Pelicans need to move. All right? No disrespect to the great Gail Benson, and I think she is great. I have a, the, the Benson family has always been New Orleans, and they've done so many phenomenal things for that city. And how great is it that she's going to distribute most of her estate to charity? But don't keep the Pelicans in New Orleans, please. Look at Seattle. They desperately want a team. There are other markets that are would roll out the red carpet and support it and sell it out every game. The NBA is uh, – New Orleans is a bad market for the NBA. Get the Pelicans out of there, would you please? Don't tell me that the Pelicans are going to have to stay there for the next 20, 25, 30 years or whatever the case may be. Pelicans need to move, all right? No one wants them in New Orleans, period. Get them out of there. Do it while you can. And that's my rant for today. And that is my podcast for today. And again, thank you so much for your support over the last 12 months and obviously before that. But this is a new endeavor for me. I've really enjoyed it and really could not do it without you. So thank you. Have yourself a fabulous weekend. And thank you so much 
for listening to If You Don't Like That with Grant Napier. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.